This is People Every Day. Coming up, inside the disturbing new federal charges against Josh Duggar. Plus, Thomas Rhett gets candid about balancing fame and family. And for All Mankind star Chris Marshall on space, Hollywood, and breaking down barriers. It's April 30th. Happy Friday, everyone. This is People Every Day. I'm your girl, Janine Rubenstein, and I am eager to share that. Cue the music. <laughs> that in sync meme never gets old, I swear. Yes, tomorrow kicks off my favorite month. Shout out to all the Tauruses out there. We rule. But enough about astrology. I talk a bit of astronomy later on in the show with actress Chris Marshall, star of Apple TV Plus's space themed drama For All Mankind. Fun fact the concept of space really freaks me out. And we talk about that and her groundbreaking role. So listen in to all of that. Back on Earth, there is a lot of major heartbreaking international news today. First, out of Israel, it's been reported that 45 people have died after being crushed during a religious festival where it's estimated that 100,000 people had gathered to celebrate a Jewish holiday. President Biden offered his condolences, writing, the loss of life among worshipers practicing their faith is heartbreaking. I have instructed my team to offer our assistance to the government and people of Israel as they respond to the disaster and care for the wounded. Then we are getting more and more painful stories out of India, a country facing a particularly devastating second wave of the coronavirus, with the growing death toll in the hundreds of thousands. Actress Priyanka Chopra took to social media recently to raise awareness and funding to fight the surge. She wrote, India is my home and India is bleeding. Truly hoping for things to turn around there. In the States, there are some celebrity crime-related top stories to dig into today, and I have one of the best people to help me do that. People's senior crime editor, Alicia Dennis is here. Hi, Alicia. Hi, Janine. Before we get into it, want to issue a trigger warning as the next story involves discussion that touches on charges of sexual exploitation surrounding children. And we're starting off with Josh Duggar, who is all over the news today. We know him from TLC's Counting On, which follows the famed Duggar family. He is the eldest of Jim Bob and Michelle Duggar's 19 children. He's 33, a soon-to-be dad for the seventh time himself, and in a lot of trouble yet again. So, Alicia, what do we know about Josh getting arrested the other day and what he's been charged for? Well, you know, Janine, he was arrested yesterday. And when we were looking at the charges, it, it indicated that he'd been arrested by a U.S. Marshal and arrested on federal charges. And so today, um, there was a COVID-compliant hearing where he appeared on a call, on a Zoom call before a judge. And at that time, they declined to read the charges out loud. Hmm. He did plead not guilty and said that he understood the charges. He told the judge that he understood the charges. Not too long after that hearing, the United States Attorney's Office of the Western District of Arkansas did send out a release that indicates that he has been charged with using the internet to download child sexual abuse material and that he had allegedly possessed this material some of it depicting the sexual abuse of kids under the age of 12 in May of 2019. He is been charged with two counts 
um, receipt of child pornography is one count and possession of child pornography is the second count. Um, if he is uh, convicted, he faces up to 20 years of imprisonment and fines of $250,000 on each count. Wow. And and this isn't the first time Josh has been embroiled in controversy. Um, we know that you've been covering the Duggars for years. I covered them for a while when I was on the TV team. And, and one of my first cover stories actually was flying out to Arkansas and interviewing Amy Duggar, their cousin. So, so just walk us through um, some of the legal and personal troubles he's faced in the past. You're right, Janine. You know, I was one of the first reporters at People to interview the Duggar family back when they only had 17 kids and they were just embarking on, you know, their reality television fame and eventually became, you know, the 19 kids and counting. So I think that, you know, people connected to them and watched their show because they felt like not only was it interesting to see a family with this many kids, but that there was kind of some wholesome down home, you know, let's all go get lemonade Mm -hmm. together thing that was going on. And so in March of 2015, when this scandal broke where he was accused and, and later police reports came out about him having some sexual misconduct with some of his relatives, um, this really exploded the family. You know, some of the different siblings were no longer on 19 Kids and Counting. TLC had to look at, you know, Mm -hmm. shutting that down and and turning it it into something else, counting on. Um, He lost positions that he had held, you know, as a lobbyist and and things like that. He allegedly, you know, gone off to get some kind of treatment. He apologized. You know, we received that, that statement of his apology. And then I interviewed, you know, his siblings in the months afterwards as they were all trying to forgive mm-hmm. him and, and move on. And, you know, they were really taking this this idea of we don't like what he did, but we love him. And so now you just have to wonder, I mean, just if not too long ago, his wife, Anna, who is pregnant with their seventh child, had come to his defense on Instagram telling people, of course, we can afford seven children. And Josh is this wonderful provider for the family. And she's very public in arguing for him and standing up for him. And and now, look where we are. And has been for a while, because even after those initial allegations, there was the whole Ashley Madison scandal, where he admitted to cheating on Anna, and she stuck by him through that. Uh, It it really makes you wonder, like, when these things just keep coming up, I remember one of the big questions we had was, like, exactly what did he do to rectify, you know, his issues? Has that ever been made clear? clear? Right. You know, he, like I keep saying, allegedly had gone to a rehabilitation um, program that was very conservative and, you know, a very highly conservative Christian facility. And so, you know, when he was welcomed back into the family, you know, at first there were some kind of indications about maybe he wouldn't be interacting with with different kids and, and things like that in the family. And I think everybody felt like that had been something that had happened when he was very young and he was sorry 
these charges, uh, as his lawyers were talking about him possibly being released on bond, one of the conditions that the judge laid out, even though they hadn't read the charges at that time, was that he could not be somewhere in a place or under, you know, the roof of someone that had a minor child in the house. Wow. Let, let's shift over to another crime story, a wildly different crime story, <laughs> Lady Gaga's um, dogs. We heard about this a little while back in April, her dog walker, Ryan Fish, was out walking her three dogs, Koji, Gustav, and Asia. And then he was held up at gunpoint in Hollywood. And and there was a struggle and he was shot in the chest and fell to the ground. And there was a huge reward being offered. Lady Gaga um, is known for just loving these dogs. She posts about them. They're always with her. Um, A $500,000 reward, no questions asked. And now we're getting news that something has happened in this case, right? Yes. There have been five people now charged in connection with the shooting of Ryan. Five, wow. And the theft of these dogs. And, you know, the Los Angeles County District Attorney did say this was a brazen street crime that, you know, obviously left a man seriously wounded. And so they've arrested James Howard Jackson, Kaylin Keyshawn White, uh, Lafayette Whaley, and they were charged with one count of each of attempted murder and conspiracy to commit robbery and secondary degree robbery. But then Harold White and Jennifer McBride, and you'll remember Jennifer McBride was the person who brought the dogs in to collect Mm. the reward and said, you know, I found these dogs in an alley or something and they were unharmed. It turns out she's connected to the people that allegedly committed this crime. And so she is now charged as well. And authorities say that they really believe that these assailants had no idea these were a celebrity's dogs, that these were Lady Gaga's dogs. It's just that, you know, these particular breed of dogs are really targeted because they're small, they're expensive, they're easy to then go resell, and that they didn't know at the time whose dogs they were taking. Alicia, thank you for being on and, and breaking this all down for me. Thank you for having me, Janine. We'll see, you know, what news breaks next, but it's been a busy Friday for sure. So guys, I used to be people's music editor and I loved Fridays because that's when a lot of new music is dropped. Well, country star Thomas Rhett, who is back with buzzed about new album Country Again, recently sat down with writer Nancy Crew for People and opened up about how hard it's been for him juggling it all with wife Lauren Akins and daughters Willa, Lennon and Ada. Take a listen to a bit of their combo. You know, I put, I put a lot of weight in the last, you know, decade of, you know, I'm Thomas Shred, the artist, and that is what I know myself by. And there was a shift in me that I was just like, man, you know, I just don't think that that is how I can do this for the next 50 years, you know, because one day you're going to, you're going to look back and you're going to go, well, when I was 31 years old, was I putting everything that I had into music and leaving the scraps for, you know, my kids and, and my wife, just that simple saying of just living a little more, a little bit more simple and, kind of being in the present is kind of what fell out of me when it came to country again. I mean, you come across really as someone who has two great passions in life, yeah. your music, your career, and your, mm-hmm. your marriage, your family life. For and sure. and to keep them in balance is a real challenge. And it Absolutely. sounds like, it sounds like that's been a prevailing issue in your life. Is, yeah. that, is that really what you've been working through for the past couple of years? Maybe more than the last couple of years, um, you know, but I think it kind of it kind of came to the light pretty hard for me 
I remember for like the first 40 or 50 days of quarantine, I was like panicking, you know, like I didn't know what to do. I don't know who I was. I didn't know how to just be without entertaining somebody. Um, and so I feel like I kept trying to just overwork myself and just try to figure out a way to be productive. And then one day my wife was like, cause I told her, I was like, well, I can't be productive like this. And she was like, why don't you, in, in a very loving way was just like, why don't you be productive here? You know? And it was kind of a, it was the gut punch that I needed, you know, to kind of just wake up from this, you know, life without touring. And once I started to really settle into that, I've never been more creative ever. Maybe you need to get bumped up the side of the head more than once or twice. Oh, every day, <laughs> every day. Let's talk about the girls for a bit. Describe their personalities to me now. Ada James and Willa Gray are three and five, but they're actually 13 and 15. And it's just been amazing just to watch their like little personalities form. Like Willa Gray is a mother spirit, a nurturer spirit. If Ada James or Lennon are crying, she's the first one over there to be like, are you okay? Do you need your blanket? Do you want to get you a bottle of milk? And then you got Ada James, who is extremely sassy. Um, and then you got Lennon, who's one who's just starting to talk, and she's just as much of a firecracker. Being a biracial family, that that has a lot of challenges and, and opportunities. Um, yeah. And I guess Willa Gray is, is five years old. I, yeah. I mean, she's a different new phase in her life. She's becoming aware of the world around her more. I guess, how, how are you working to raise her and, and help her grow into her racial identity? It's just something that we we just want her to be so proud of. Like, I, I don't ever want Willa Gray growing up wanting to be like, you know, because she said certain things before, you know, I mean, she's five years old and she's like, well, how are my friends in Africa? Or my skin doesn't get burnt because it's darker. You know I mean? Like you hit, you hear, you hear certain things like that. And you're just like, you are, you are you. And that is freaking awesome. You know, we want to take her back uh, to Uganda to get to see where she was born and, and, and the people that she was around in the first 16 months for life. And, you know, I haven't, fully gotten there yet. I, I don't know what I'm going to say when those really hard questions arise, but there is going to come a point, you know, where we're going to have to have like those conversations. And I think as a dad, I do try to shield my young from the knowledge that I have, you know, of being 31 years old in America, but I just have to teach my kids how to love. And the only way to teach them how to love is to lead by example. Next up, actress Chris Marshall on portraying life in the outer realms. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, editor-in-chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Everyone with me today is actress Chris Marshall, who you have seen on For All Mankind on Apple TV. She is out of this world. 
Hot and sorrel. I like, I like your pun work there. <laughs> Thank you. I'm a very corny person. Um, <laughs> and I'm just happy to be talking with her about the show. She's also a fellow podcaster. And uh, we're going to get into that and, and how things are going for you. So how are you doing? I'm doing really good. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited. And congratulations to you for getting your own show. We're, Thank we're both, you. We both got our own show. Good for us. I like it. I like it. So, so, so first things first, you play Danielle Poole mm-hmm. in For All Mankind. So tell people, one, about the show and then your character. So For All Mankind basically asks the question of what would have happened if the U.S. had not landed the first men on the moon? What if the Soviet Union had actually put their people first? And in real life, I didn't know this until I started the show, but in real life, we had a mission that was just a few weeks prior where we got very close, like within miles of the moon and decided to turn back. Um, and so in our story, because of that hiccup, the USSR gets there before we do. They put boots on the moon. And so because of that butterfly effect of this one thing changing, how mm-hmm. does that affect the world? How does that affect technology? How does that change the world as we know it? If the space race had never ended. So I play Danielle. Danielle in our story, um, you know, oftentimes people ask me if I studied um, up about May Jemison in order to prepare for my role. And the yeah. truth is that, you know, May as the first black woman to go into space didn't do it until the early 1990s. Whereas for me in our story, Danielle goes in the early 1970s. Um, so it's kind of cool how in our world we see that having lost this victory early on creates a world where uh, women are are put first, black people are put first, and we sort of escalate the um, advancement of diversity in the in the NASA program. So, so when it came to your research, what did you do to prep for this role? So, um, spoiler alert: I'm not an astronaut or an engineer in real life. Um, no. so that was going to be tough. Um, <laughs> but I knew that aside from her acumen for science and technology, that beneath it all, Danielle is just a woman. So I started there. Um, I did research about the civil rights era. I listened to, you know, Aretha Franklin and Sam Cooke and music from that time period and really kind of mm-hmm. just tried to, to soak myself in the rhythm and blues world to create the fabric of who she is as a woman and then allowed the, the technicians and the former astronauts who work on our show to give me a leg up when it came to telling the side of the story about the science and NASA aspect of it. Wow. And so what's real in terms of like, have you been to NASA? Have you been able to actually get on something? Like how (laughs) much access have you had to like space when doing this? Yeah. So we're really lucky that um, on our show, we work with a handful of former astronauts who actually make sure that they come to Garrett Reisman is a former astronaut. Um, Denise and Mike Akuda are not astronaut themselves, but they are technical advisors in this world. They eat, sleep and breathe science. So they make sure that when, I'm in the space shuttle on the show. I'm not just like beep, boop, bop, boop, 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 beep. Now I'm doing science <laughs> things, but we actually have like, they explain to me, this is what's going on. Like, this is the thruster. This is the throttle. This, you know, the different aspects of what it means to, to fly. So, and then one of my castmates, Joel Kinnaman is actually getting his pilot's license because he's become wow. so engrossed in this world. He just loves it so much. Look, I love it from afar. Space <laughs> freaks me out. It freaks me out. Every day. I don't like, I didn't like watching like whatever that last launch was. It just, I'm like, we shouldn't be out there. <laughs> tell me, tell me what is the part that freaks you out? Cause I'm really curious about this. 
oh my gosh, I maybe I've seen too many movies, but <laughs> there's gravity for a reason. We mm-hmm. aren't supposed to be grounded. We, <laughs> you know, and and it's just that that I, I just remember George Clooney. What movie was that where he get becomes untethered from Sandra Bullock, and then he just floats out. That's one of my gravity. Nightmares. Yes, gravity. <laughs> gravity. Gravity. Yeah, that's, the, gravity. that's the name of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, that is the worst thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's funny? What you're saying about space, like. If you think about it, air travel was the same way. I mean, back in the day, air travel was like meant for the Air Force. And it was this elite world of people who were Mm. test pilots who could travel. And now, like, think about it. You can get on a spirit (laughs) flight wearing flip-flops and denim shorts and have not a care in the world. Like, now, air travel (laughs) has just become, it's so casual now. They don't even serve peanuts anymore. It's so casual. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, at at some point, space travel could be the same way, where it just really is, you know, as casual as getting on a spirit flight. Well, if Elon Musk has his way, I guess. Exactly. I guess. Yeah. Um, okay, so so getting out of space, back down to Earth. Tell me just a little bit about your experience in Hollywood and 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 how uh, you feel in that space. It's coming back. Yeah. Um, I feel like you are seeing more women of color in lead roles. So, do you feel optimistic? Do you feel positive about the direction that diversity in Hollywood is going in? I do. I feel really, really positively about it. Um, you know, there's always so much work to do and it's easy to kind of see it from a sort of more resentful or bitter standpoint of like mm-hmm, why did mm-hmm. it take us this long to get this far but yeah. I'm trying to not see it from a place of lack and just see it from a place of gratitude one of the things I love about our show is that not just for women of color but for women period so often female stories are told from the perspective of their relationship to a man. So here's the character of Jane and she is Philip's wife. Or here's the character of Jane and she is Stephen's mom. Um, Or she's so-and-so's assistant. So, so often in stories, women and their validity in the world is directly based on who they're married to, who they work for, who they're assistant of, who they're the mother of. And what I love about our story is that um, many of us in the story are wives or mothers or whatever, but that's not what makes us interesting. That's not what our story is based on. My story is based on the fact that um, I'm a hell of an astronaut, that I'm an engineer, that I'm a geologist, that I am clever, that I'm sharp, and that I'm hardworking. My story is not about the fact that I am a wife. That's an important part of my life, just like an important part of your life, who you are and what makes you. But right now, in this moment, you know, you've got the headphones on and you're hosting a podcast because of who you are, because of the energy that you bring, not just because you're a wife or a mother. And so I think, you know, it's so often that female stories are limited to that. And I just love that, that in our world, these women get to be so much more. Um, so that's, that's great cool. just for women as Make a whole. Make me feel good. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for that. Yeah. I love the podcast. Well, right I, just, I love seeing women <laughs> win, you know, like it's, it's yeah. great. And I think someone said recently, like women are not looking for a leg up. We're just looking for like a seat at the table. That's it. You know, we don't need extra. We don't need more. We just want to be there and like allow our voices to be heard. That was actress Chris Marshall. For more on her and her show, For All Mankind, head over to people.com. And now, something to sip on. 
You weren't expecting that, are you? Well, the Kentucky Derby is tomorrow, and we've got a treat for you today. People food editor Shay Spence has the perfect, easy-to-make drink recipe to celebrate. Hello, my dear People Everyday podcast listeners. The Kentucky Derby is only a day away, so grab your most ridiculous hat, and I'm going to teach you how to make a bright and delicious mint julep without a recipe. You're just going to trust your heart, okay? First off, we're going to make a mint-infused simple syrup. Heat equal parts water and sugar in a pot on the stove until the sugar just dissolves then turn off the heat, add a handful of fresh mint leaves, stems and all, and let them steep in there and slowly flavor the syrup while it cools down completely. Then you can strain the syrup and discard the mint leaves. Pour the cooled syrup into your cocktail glasses and add some Kentucky bourbon. I like about a four to one ratio of bourbon to simple syrup. So say you add half a shot of the simple syrup, then you'll add two shots of bourbon. Next, you're going to add your ice, and it has to be crushed ice. If you don't have a crushed ice maker, you can do this by pulsing some ice cubes in a blender with a little bit of water and then straining it. Now, give it a taste and adjust to your liking. If you like it sweeter, add more syrup. If you like it stronger, add more bourbon. Garnish with more fresh mint and enjoy. You deserve this. Thanks, Shay. My vote is for sweeter and stronger. It's been that kind of a week. Have a great weekend, everybody. And don't forget to rate people every day and leave a comment wherever you listen in. People Every Day is produced by Julia Weaver with help from Fallon Harge, Maureen Malarkey, and Aliza Sessler. Executive produced by Christina Everett and mixed by Mary Dew and Bahid Frazier. People's executive producers are David Flumenbaum and Zoe Ruderman. Special thanks to Mangesh Hatikater, Will Lee, and the incredible staff at iHeartMedia and People.